Welcome back, nature lovers, to another episode of the Birdie Bunch podcast. We're super excited that y'all are back uh, to give a to give a listen. Now that the spooky bunch is over, Birdie Bunch has commenced. Um, and with that, let's get into it. Welcome back, nature lovers, to another episode of the Birdie Bunch podcast, where we talk everything conservation, education, and fascination. My name's Brittany, and I am joined by my two lovely friends and co-hosts. And I'm CJ. (laughs) Or I'll do it. I'm CJ. And I am upset that the spooky bunch is over. Wow. All that pause just for that, huh? Uh, well, you know, if you'd actually filled the pause, it wouldn't have been that much of a pause. <laughs> Incredible. Incredible. It's almost like we've been talking for an hour and a half before this. Oh, uh, actually about an hour 15, but very close. My apologies. You're right, Brittany. You're I don't right, think Brittany. I want to comment. <laughs> it's true, Brittany. Have I been talking about an hour and a half? Yeah. <laughs> Anyway, um, so happy you both can join me this week. How are we doing? I'm I'm okay. I'm okay. I uh, it's November, which I'm thankful for, pun intended, because it's gonna be Thanksgiving in like three weeks. Um, but we'll get to that in a few weeks. Um, but for now, I'm feeling pretty good. I really like fall weather. It's nice and crisp, but not quite chilly yet. Um, yeah soup season so i'm digging lots of soup matthew how are you uh i'm living life i really enjoy fall weather too so it's been nice um it finally rained here we've been in kind of like like a uh, this whole drought thingy um but we got some precipitation recently which was really really nice um but yeah i really 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 love thanksgiving i'm very excited about that that means i'll be able to go uh, and see my family again which will be really cool it's it's always fun i really really enjoy getting to be back in illinois and see my folks so i'm very excited about that in particular how are you Brittany? i'm doing all right as of recording i literally moved back to illinois three days ago so I am immersed in boxes and boxes. And then when I move some boxes, there's more boxes. Um, but overall, I'm, I'm pretty happy to be back. I'm it's a little bit of bittersweet. I did really like my job in Missouri. No longer in Missouri. And I loved all of my friends. But kind of happy to be out of misery. So no longer Hey, we're never gonna be able to hear Adam Levine on the, the podcast anymore, are we? Nope, this is the last one. DJ, oh, hey, live it up. Hey, you know what? You know how that makes me feel? Oh. I am <laughs> All right, sorry. I smelled that from a mile away. It's too easy. Too easy. But yeah, so that's that's basically my, my week. Um, but yeah, 
I'm happy to hear that at least both of you are doing pretty well. And so I think with that, we'll head on over to our first segment. All righty. Now, before we get into today's creature feature, um, I would like to see if any of my good friends and co-hosts have any, um, what's, what's the term, non-spoilery spoilers, hints, little clues as to what this um, creature feature is? Um, it's, oh. No, go ahead. I'm sure you've got a great pun. Oh, I don't have a pun. I was just going to say, you, you got to keep your coins close to your pockets around these guys. That was a pretty nifty hint. I don't get it. It's a it's a reference. Were you trying to do Sonic the Hedgehog? Yeah. Yes, Sonic collects rings, not coins. Oh. Sonic collects rings, not coins. Oh, you dingus. No. You dingus. Funny, know your Sonic lore. Sonic Tails first, Shadow. First of all, Sonic is like before your time. You were also before my time, and yet somehow I knew it was coins. So it's it's rings. She got me confused. You know what I mean? <laughs> but I was I I literally always thought those little rings were like little coins. No, they're oh, rings. They're rings. Oh. Have you seen the new movie starring I, um I uh, have is it, is Ben Schwartz? I think it's I Ben Schwartz. I have not. I used to actually enjoy playing that game as a kid, though. Highly really recommend. Fun. Highly recommend both Sonic and Sonic Two. Highly recommend Jim Carrey's final role. Incredible actor. Um, <laughs> but forgot. yeah, they're rings. Huh. They're rings. He uses the rings to teleport. Fun facts. Oh wait, so he's not running. He's just going. Pew, 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 pew. Well, Sonic is running. He's very fast. So then why does he teleport? Well, to different universes. Why does a speedy boy need to teleport? He Look, man, run. I didn't write the lore. I just read it. Bad <laughs> <laughs> lore. Anyway, the creature features a hedgehog. Spoiler alert. No! <laughs> That's really screwed up. I now feel very prickly towards you, CJ. Oh, prickly. All right, so today's creature feature is, in fact, unfortunately spoiled as the hedgehog. Um, but I will say that it's kind of nice to bring creature features that most people are aware of, right? You know, raise your hand if you've ever heard of a hedgehog before. Great for an audio medium, my friend. Please mm -hmm. continue. And what's really great is that on video, neither of my co-hosts raised their hand. Well, you will only know that if you signed up to our Patreon. Visit mm -hmm. patreon.com slash the Birdie Bunch podcast to see mm -hmm. which one of us know about hedgehogs. Absolutely. Um, however, aside from Sonic, hedgehogs are really cool little creatures, right? Um, most of you all probably know them from the pet trade. But what you might not know is that every pet at some point came from the wild. Wolf became dogs, and pet hedgehogs came from, guess what? Wild hedgehogs. They look a lot like their captive counterparts, except they have this special propensity towards doing this thing known as hibernating. So, your pet hedgehog, if any of y'all own any, might not hibernate. That's because you probably keep its exhibit, its enclosure, 
at the proper temp to where it doesn't have to. However, hedgehogs sometimes live in temperate climates, including Britain, which, if those of you aren't aware, um, sometimes does have winter. Yes, it does more than just rain in Britain. And when those winters come around, those hedgehogs need to do this special thing known as hibernating. In fact, they're one of only three mammals in Britain to actually legitimately hibernate. Now, in North America, we have a lot of mammals that hibernate here in the winter. Some of those including um, bats, bears, other stuff like that. But hedgehogs in particular are very well known for actually coming into people's yards. And oftentimes, people will see hedgehogs visiting their gardens about a month before the temperature drops because what they're doing is they're stocking up food so that when their temperature officially drops, they can go into this deep torpor. It's not like a true sleep like any of you or me, but they go into this torpor that matches their temperature of their body to their surroundings a little bit better, uh, slows down all their body functions, which means that they can sit there and sleep, in air quotes, until they either need to get up to pee or to potentially go get food. Hedgehogs are really, really good hibernators. And if you'd like to help a hibernating hedgehog, what you can do is go out and give them a, a safe place, right? So if you make a little log pile, sometimes you, you dig, dig a hole under your shed, or sometimes even they've been found in compost heaps or man-made hedgehog houses. If you'd like to go ahead and provide those hibernating hedgehogs a little home, that's some alliteration, some alliteration for you. If you would like to do so, go ahead and go to hedgehogstreet.org. I'll be linking that in our bio. And you can find actual instructions to make a hedgehog house for the winter. But these little hibernating cuties are a little bit prickly. That's just a defense mechanism. But in particular, very helpful in the winter when they are just kind of chilling in the cold. And don't have to worry about a little predator coming upon them and uh, penetrating those uh, really densely packed quills on their back. So, with all that out of the way, how do my good friends and co-hosts feel about the hibernating hedgehogs known as Sonic? Not gonna lie, I'm, it's pretty blue. That's an excellent way to end it. Thank you, Brittany. I do what I can. I really just like to make comments to make Matt really disappointed. <laughs> yeah, I really wish Matt wasn't muted when he went. <sighs> <laughs> well, thank you for joining us on this week's rendition of the Birdie Bunch podcast. <laughs> Um, on a side note, I have my friend who has a hedgehog. She's going to send me a ton of photos that we can post on our social oh, of hedgehogs. Hedgehog cute. Yeah. Hedgehog cute. Do you mean hedgehog? Hedgehog cute. God, do you mean hedgehog? Hedgehog's cute. But literally, hedgehogs are really adorable. They're really popular in the pet trade. Um, which I will, gross. I will, I will preference that with saying just because they're popular in the pet trade should not, does not, and should not mean that you go out and get one because they take mm -hmm. a lot of specialized care. They're nocturnal animals and they don't always necessarily make the greatest pets. So, um, do your research or don't get one.
Anyway, I will yeah. also add to that too. Um, in a lot of states, they are actually considered to be exotic species. And if mm -hmm. you live in a state that doesn't allow exotic species, uh, don't get a hedgehog. It's illegal. That is an exotic. It's um. So I know we talked. There is a another episode on the podcast where we creature featured a lesser a a lesser Madagascar hedgehog tenric. Um, and they are two separate animals. I would just like to remind everybody of that. It's something that I think will always haunt me in my dreams because I've worked with the Tenric and had to always tell everybody it's not a hedgehog. Thank you, Convergent Evolution. Anyway, um, yeah, hedgehogs are pretty cute. Keep a keep a look at our social medias for some cute photos. It's current events time. Time for current events. Bow, bow, bow. So this week's current event is actually going to harken back to just a few weeks ago with the Spooky Bunch podcast. Our cryptids episode was one of the most fun episodes I've had in a while. I do love playing the skeptic. Thanks, Adam. Um, I do, yeah, for real. Um, but I cannot be a skeptic any longer because it does seem that while there's not a Yeti around, there is another um, uh, what seems to be a cryptid that has now been proven to be real in Nepal. So, this is an article from Manga Bay, as per usual of the Pretty Bunch podcast. And it's titled, It's No Yeti, But Tibetan Brown Bear's Presence in Nepal is No Longer a Myth. So many know of the legend of the Yeti. It's said to be massive, ferocious, especially, you know, you know, it can it can tear people apart in seconds. And it's it's its stories have been told for generations. But it wasn't until recently that we got evidence of the Yeti. And this evidence of the Yeti turned out to be nothing more than brown bear fur. They were looking at footprints. They were looking at fur samples. And between these things, they couldn't quite figure out what it was because they knew this was a real animal. But it very clearly wasn't the Yeti, right? Wasn't bipedal, you know. Didn't have the same coarse, you know, type of hair as a primate would have. If it was bipedal like the Yeti would be, you know. So they were confused, you know, based on the, the stories told. And they were even shown by villagers in Tibet and Nepal of these, these basically pits that this creature dug up in search of their favorite food, the Himalayan marmot. It wasn't until scientists saw it with their own eyes that they actually were able to recognize it. And they recognized it as the Tibetan brown bear, which is really, really cool. So it has this yellow scarf-like collar around its neck, and it's it's basically the same species as the brown bears we get here in, in North America. So the brown bears we have here are Ursus arctos horribilis, and these are Ursus arctos pruinusus, something to that effect. I can't do Latin. But they're very similar. They're basically just different subspecies of brown bears. And their presence has been confirmed in India, but it wasn't until recently um, that it had never been seen in Nepal. 
obviously Tibetan brown bears can be from Tibet, but now they've been seen in Nepal, which is really, really exciting. So they basically scientists were preparing a field guide for mammals of Nepal that had no idea what the brown bear could have looked like, what size it was relative to other bears, because looking at the field guide of animals they'd normally see in Nepal, brown bears weren't in there. So basically now that it's been documented by scientists, they're estimating that the, the population within Nepal is about 20 individuals, making it a critically endangered species in Nepal. You know, identified threats for it have included poaching, conflict with humans, and habitat loss due to the expansion of human settlements, as well as overgrazing from domesticated animals, loss of prey, and because there's such a small population, inbreeding. While it's known that brown bears are known to occur in neighboring China, it's not clear whether they travel across the border. And due to persistent threats, the bears may not be able to reestablish themselves in Nepal once they've gone locally extinct. So there's a lot of conservation happening, basically from 2008 through today, with these Tibetan brown bears in Nepal. If you haven't seen these bears, give them a Google, Tibetan brown bear. They are really, really stunning. Like I mentioned, they have this like yellow collar. And it sort of reminds me of like sloth bears, but it's much, much more distinct. It's like almost like bright, like almost like their entire neckline is covered in this bright yellow collar. Even though these, you know, unique species are really, really hard to find, they are out to find more. And there's a lot of research happening to see how many that they can find in Nepal and work to save that population of this uh, unique bear species. What do you both think of our cryptid adjacent current event? I believe he's still out there. Talking about the Yeti? Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay, he's still it. out had there. To, had to clarify. He's still out there. I'm rooting for the guy. I won't say that he's not, but I'm really happy for the bear. <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, I'm not happy for it for being like, you know, critically endangered and all well, that. No. But like, good on you for expanding yeah, yeah good on territory. you you know i'll be curious to see what the populations do there you know we'll just kind of follow along i think it's interesting too it gives us kind of like a a potentially cool insight to see like you know is knowledge of these species existing good for their numbers bad for their numbers you know that is an interesting debate to look into some you'll see people argue for either side frankly well thank you uh cj for uh that current event and matt for the creature feature with that we can kind of head on over to um a topic that actually includes both of those animals Now, today's main topic actually has a little bit of something to do with both of those, both our creature feature and our current event animals today, because um, they both do one of the, these things. Um, and we're going to kind of do a little comparison between hibernation, broom nation, and topor. And we're going to, I'm going to kind of talk about each and um, explain a little bit of the differences. And I'm just going to give some examples and Matt and CJ, if you want to just jump in with some fun facts or your thoughts and things, that'd be that'd be pretty dope. So we're going to start off with hibernation. And 
uh, with Fat Bear Week just last month. I thought it was a this would be a fun, a fun topic to. Oh yeah, bring Bear up. Force One. Yeah, bring it home, bring it home, yep. Bear Force One, Bear Seven Four Seven, baby. Yep, yep. Um, and so. We're gonna. I'm gonna just kind of talk about what hibernation is, and just give like a quick little overview of what it is. So hibernation is something that um, really only mammals do, and it's because they're warm-blooded and it has fur, hair, and it's for them to be able to survive in less than optimal conditions. So cold, cold winters. Um, not being able to have enough food. And basically what hibernation does is it slows down their body, um, slows their body or and it cool it slows down their body and their body temperature, their breathing, their heart, their just all of their insides to be able to conserve as much energy as possible without needing to get up to use bathroom to to get food, um, things like that. Now on the other spectrum, there it there is a hibernation for cold-blooded animals, and it's called brumation, or animals that do it, they they brumate. Um, and basically, these are for reptiles, amphibians, um, because they don't have, they're cold-blooded, they don't have fur, they don't have hair. Um, and so those are going to be things like frogs, lizards, snakes, turtles, tortoises. Um, and it does the same thing as hibernation. Um, the body slows down a little bit, and um, and it helps them conserve energy. They're not going to eat. They're not going to drink poop. Um, and this is going to last, though, anywhere from like a couple weeks to even a couple months. Um, which brings us to our next one, which is called Toper. And what uh, that is, it's kind of like hibernation, but it doesn't last as long. So it's not going to be weeks or, or months. It's only actually going to last for a short period of time. It could be, you know, a couple, a few hours or a day or so. And the reason why they do this is so that during like the coldest part of the day, they're not going to be awake. They're able to conserve some of their energy and that bo their body is still slowing down, um, just like in hibernation so that they don't um, have to, to actively think about conserving that energy. They're just, you know, they're just going to do it. And so some of those I'm going to give a little bit of some examples. Some of those animals is going to be that hedgehog, the tenric, um, some bat species um, will go into um, toper, mice, things like that. Um, and so it's just a little bit different because hibernation is something that can last a little bit longer. So bears, we're talking about fat bear week, bears will eat a a bunch of food to be prepared to um, to hibernate, and they can go into um, partial hibernation where they'll still get up a little bit, but they'll be in a little bit of a groggier state. Um, but for the most part, they're they're out. They're going to be sleeping. They're not coming out of their dens. Um, things like that. Now, um, some examples of true hibernators are going to be some bats, marsupials, um, um, squirrels. They're they're going to do more of the of the true the true hibernation. Now, for brumation, tortoises do this a lot. Turtles will do it. Snapping turtles will go into a brumation where 
if they are, it's actually pretty cool. Snapping turtles, when, um, when winter hits, they'll go into a brumation where they basically dig their, their head into like basically mud and they're able to pull the oxygen out of the mud um, underwater. And that's how they're actually able to survive. They go into that like brumated state um, and that's how they survive the cold winters and things like that. Um, tortoises will do it. They, um, I've worked with a tortoise that brumates every year and basically just sleeps for like three or like, I think honestly it's like three or four months where doesn't eat. We always, like always offer food just in case, but uh, doesn't ever come out of of his of his little hide, and that's just where he stays. And then about four months, three four months into it, he wakes up and comes back online, and it's completely fine. But those are going to be um, more of for the cold blooded animals. Is going to be that brumation. Do you guys have any thoughts or feelings or opinions? I mean. I only thought and feeling that I have is a lot of these animals, they're missing out on some of the wonderful things about winter. Because the wonderful things about winter is that winters are wonderful things. Mostly soup. God, I love soup. Soup's delicious. Matthew? I like, so, I do, it's funny because I never really have much commentary on specifically hibernation. Because the two groups of animals I work with either completely leave the country for winter, in the case of birds, or straight up just die in the winter, in the case of insects. So, like, frankly, there's not much commentary I can offer except for, I will say, I don't know exactly what I would qualify it as. It's um probably you just qualify it as metamorphosis. I will say we are coming into the fall season, um, which is very characterized in the midwest where we all come from by picking up leaves right we rake our leaves we pick them up we throw them off and then what the hell does the city do with them well for the most part they incinerate them however one thing i will say in regards to species that i work with is that in particular the um the saturnids which is those large silkworm moths so the um if you've ever heard of the luna moth or the cecropia moth or the io moth uh those moths what they do is uh the the caterpillars hatch like late spring early summer um they eat 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 until like the end of the summer in which case they they pupate which is when they make their little cocoons um but the saturnids in particular their cocoons are in the leaf litter uh they're on the ground and they just stay in that cocoon until spring or really until like late spring, early summer again, which is when they hatch and they fly and all that. Um, the only reason I bring that up is because I don't know. I don't know if it really qualifies as like hibernation per se or brumation or anything like that. I think it's just strictly metamorphosis. Uh, but I also bring that up because it is kind of like tucking in for the winter. And on top of that, keep your leaves because they they pupate in the leaf litter and oftentimes they just look like a leaf so like you're probably throwing away like thousands of future moths and burning the shit out of them and also just so pretty They're it so is pretty. They are very pretty also, also bumblebees use them quite a bit yep and it also just doesn't kill the grass it doesn't i don't know why leaves are an eyesore 
but I'm also bitter about a lot of things. Eyesore? Doesn't that evolve into Venusaur? <laughs> anyway, hibernation. Am I right, ladies? I think we've hit slap happy, CJ. It's definitely CJ's tired, CJ. That's for sure. Used <laughs> all of my spoons in the, in the hour and a half conversation before recording. It's okay. It's okay. We're almost done. But yeah, I just wanted to, to like talk a little bit about it, uh, about the differences between, because I feel like it's something that like everybody kind of knows what hibernation is, but I had no idea what brumation is or what topor was. I literally just learned about topor um, at my last job um, because our Tenrix went into it and I was like, mm, what? Um, so there's a say that you learn something new every day. Um, but also I didn't know what brumation was either for a really long time. So I just thought it was fun. Um, and something that is relatively like simple, but like no one ever gets to talk about. So it's also really interesting when you think about like how we spend our winters as humans. So for the most part, people just tend to endure winter. Yeah. Like that's really how our species has air quotes evolved to adapt to winter, even though we really haven't. Like for the most part, we just get a bunch of layers or we stay inside. Or um, you do both in the case of Brittany. Yeah, and you know, and those are all equally valid, but like, it's really interesting when you think about, you know, things like bears gaining hundreds and hundreds of pounds of fat just to sleep through winter. Or things yeah. like these turtles who are literally absorbing oxygen through mud. Which I think is really so cool. It's so cool. And then like when it comes to like bears and stuff, I think it's pretty neat. Like for for female bears who are either pregnant or like are gonna be parents, like they 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 get to like their body chooses whether or not based off of how much they've been able to like gain like weight wise and what resources are or if there's a place to be able to hibernate it chooses whether or not they're gonna have a baby like it just like those small simple parts of like one like one little simple part of a, an animal's life really just it encompasses kind of all, all other decisions and it's really cool and it's, it's something as simple as hibernating or something as simple as being able to find enough food. Um, and it also just like makes you realize how much of an impact that we have on the creatures around us. Because um, when we mess with one part of their entire life, it messes with everything. Anyway. Anyway. Um, <laughs> Gets off soapbox. That was yeah. fun. I like yeah. talking about winter. Yeah, I don't, but... Um, <laughs> I mean, I'm not a huge fan of snow, mostly because I have to drive in it. I actually don't. But snow is so pretty. It's I, so pretty. I love the actual, like, snow part. I think it's gorgeous. I love going out and playing in it with so blue. So fun. So fun. So great. But if it could just, like, not come with the bitter cold, that would see, be great. You'll probably see me, pretty much podcast listeners, come like February with backyard bird count time out in the bitter Chicago cold, like I was last year. I was just watching videos of it. I, I took like brutal Chicago wind in my face. You can see icicles forming on my eyebrows. Oh, God, one I love of, it. One of, I think, my first experiences with Matt was going birding. Yeah, it was in the years. freezing cold and wanting yeah. to die. Um, it. it was so much fun. Um, I think With the that northern I must... strike I might add. 
We got the strike that day. Yeah. Hold that one up my butt. That's my strike lifer that that's truly. Yeah, no, I think that I am a um a warm birder person. Um, I love winter birding so much. Winter birding is so fun because we went, ducks. We went, ducks uh, are yeah. so good. We went winter you, birding and Brittany, then have I just seen a merganser. Oh wow. No. Bless you. I'll, I'll show you a merganser, hon. I'll show you. They're gorge. I well They're we really went cool. we went birding last winter when you came down to Missouri and I spent like half the time dissecting um I think yeah, it was fox it was, poop. It, yeah that's yeah. what we determined. Yeah that's what we determined. Yeah. But we did I got my life for Carolina chickadee that day. So that was a good time. Yeah. Um there's I, not too many birds different from here to Missouri. I will say that Adam is super excited to start birding with you. I am less excited about the whole birding experience. Yeah, but come come down to the city and see urban wildlife. Urban wildlife is so cool. But yes, but like just because it's not like my favorite thing in the world doesn't mean I don't enjoy doing it. Yeah. Like I enjoy I, I myself. I feel like you'd really like Big Marsh. I never took Matt to Big Marsh, but I feel like you and Adam would really like Big Marsh. I'm down. I'm always down as long as I can stay warm. I'm there. Yeah, it's not where it's really cold. We're in cold burning season. How about you wait till spring? Okay. <laughs> I I can have I have hand warmers. I want to do things with my friends. When so that's how you know it's time when. to end the podcast, folks. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, with I think we've wrapped up. Um, our our main topic that and i think we're all a little slap happy um so we're gonna head on out uh, but before we do um where can we find everybody on the social media you can find me on instagram at cj.greco that's cj.greco and i've been posting all kinds of fun content um mainly the fun content that i've been posting is about all the cool things that I'm doing and seeing in my life. You find me on Instagram at Matt Valga, M-A-T-T-V and Victor, A-L-I-G-A. I think at this point I post a lot of bugs, mainly because I've been working in the lab and I've got these new cool scopes that take pictures of bugs in a cool way. So I've just been posting those because they're kind of neat. And you can find me at the Brittany underscore bunch, T-H-E-B as in bird, R-I-T-T-A-N-Y underscore B as in bird, U-N-C-H. Um, and hopefully now that I'm back in the Chicagoland area, I'll have more to post. But if you would like to find a spot where you can find us collectively, you can check us out at the Birdie Bunch on in but you can check us out collectively on Instagram at the Birdie Bunch Podcast. You can also check out our website, um, the Birdie Bunch, www.thebirdiebunchpodcast.com. Um, and that's where you're going to find some really cool merch and find out a little bit more about us. Um, but there are other ways to be able to support us. You can, you can leave us a review, a five-star review, and we'll read it right out here on the podcast. But if you're not feeling like le leaving a review, um, you can tell tell a friend about it, or you can check us out on Patreon and become our patron. Um, thank you, Gabe Anderley, 
for being our wonderful patron. But I think that's it. Am I missing every, anything, y'all? Would have fooled me. Catch <laughs> you next time. All right. Well, I think that's it. I think that's all. <laughs> so um, I think we're going to wrap this up, and we will catch you all next time. Um, thanks, everybody. That was great. Good night. All right. Good night. Bye. Have a good night, friends. Bye. Bye. Thanks so much, all you nature lovers, for listening to yet another episode of the Birdie Bunch podcast. We would especially like to thank Sarah Dunlap for designing our art for our episodes, as well as Connor Whitman for producing our music. The mission of the Birdie Bunch podcast is to inspire an inclusive community for conservation by using education to promote fascination.